tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Normally, I would say happy Friday, but this has been anything but a happy Friday. Mark Aram in for Eric Erickson on Atlanta's Evening News. Uh, I was scheduled to fill in for Eric last week, and I said, oh, you know what? We're going to have some fun on a Friday. We're going to, it's the, you know, the end of the work week, and then bam. It's 2020, man. What were you thinking? It, I don't know. Massive <laughs> breaking news story that we are going to spend the next two hours talking about it. Uh, in case you just woke up from an 18-hour nap, uh, the leader of the free world and his wife have tested positive for COVID-19. President and Melania Trump tested positive for COVID-19. A massive story. We just don't know yet what it means long term. Obviously, we wish the best for the president and the first lady. Other people have tested positive now. Massive ramifications throughout the globe, not just here in Atlanta, not just the United States, but around the globe. What will this mean to the election? We'll talk to Jamie Dupree and Bill Crane about that. What will this mean to the markets? We'll talk to uh, Wes Moss from Money Matters. What does this mean to the balance of power and the halls of power in Washington, we'll talk to uh, John Hudak from the Brookings Institute. And what does this mean medically, right? COVID-19, we've been in the pandemic for six months now. President Trump uh, has tested positive for COVID-19. We found out late last night, early this morning. Let's hit the medical side of this first. Joining us from uh, the Piedmont Health Unit, it's Dr. Uh, Christine Zorowski. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you again for, for sharing your wisdom on the WSB Airways. We've been uh, really appreciating the input you've given us throughout the pandemic. Uh, as an infectious disease expert, uh, a man of President Trump's advanced age, a little overweight, um, what do the numbers say about what's in store for him going forward with, with the coronavirus? Well, I mean, it's it's difficult to say. Um, certainly he does have, as you mentioned, he's he's older, um, and he is overweight, um, and that people in that category um, have a very, very high uh, probability of, at a minimum, needing hospitalization, but also um, death. However, um, it, he doesn't have symptoms right now, uh, at least the last time I, I heard uh, this morning, and it is extremely likely uh, that he has probably received more than one of the available uh, treatments for COVID. Um, and when you do that early on in, in an illness, uh, oftentimes you can stop it before it progresses. So hopefully that's the case. Talking to uh, Dr. Christine Zorowski, a, an infectious disease expert here on the Mark Aram Show. Um, as far as treatment, so we heard today from uh, the chief of staff that he has minor symptoms. Um, we don't know exactly what they are. They won't get into details. They won't tell us how he's being treated. Um, is, is he okay? He's in the White House right now. Should he remain there or should he be transferred to Walter Reed and, and possibly, you know, be in a more sterile environment and get better treatment there? Is there, is, is there uh, an easy call on this either way? Um, without a lot of information, it's, it's 
relatively hard to say, but I, I can tell you that for someone with mild symptoms, meaning maybe a low-grade fever or a little bit of a cough, being in the hospital is not going to benefit you at all um, unless you need oxygen. And so if he's in the White House, he can stay in the White House, and I guarantee you he can get absolutely everything that he needs there. But that's good to know. Uh, so the president, um, we've been trying to just follow his path and when he caught this and how he caught it. Um, he, he's been in, obviously, he had the debate with uh, Vice President Biden and he's been at fundraisers. He's had debate prep in a small conference room. The West Wing is small. Is possible contract contact tracing here? Um, wh- what do the authorities need to do to figure out who else might have been in contact with this? Well, I mean, this this is the going to be the you know, the work of the next couple of days. I have to say that contact tracing and is very, very difficult uh, given the number of people that he comes in contact with in a day. I know that um, there's been a lot of talk about his assistant um, as, as if she is somehow the source of, of his infection. Um, but the, from at least what's been in print, um, the timing of that is a little bit suspect to mean um, people don't develop symptoms, you know, less than 24 hours after an exposure. So it's possible that there was other people that were infected around them. I mean, you've seen them at the at the rallies. You know, it's it's going to be very, very difficult. But, you know, at a minimum, everybody that's been around him in the last two days is going to get tested. Doctor, final question for you. Best case scenario, uh, it, it's a low impact. He 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 is fine. What's the soonest he can get back out of quarantine and get back on the campaign trail and, and, you know, fully be involved in running the country? Well, the current uh, the current guidelines recommend um, 10 days uh, after the onset of your symptoms. So if we assume, you know, it was yesterday or or today, um, it would be 10 days from now. Infectious so disease. Probably around the 12th or 13th. 12th or 13th. Okay. Infectious disease specialist, Dr. Christine Zorowski, thank you so much for your time, doctor. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Take care. Uh, so some uh, medical expert there. We got traffic experts and you hear from them every six minutes. Here's Doug Turnbull. All right. Thanks, Doug. So I want to get the medical expert on first because I think that's most important, right? The health of the president, uh, again, leader of the free world. But, you know, we're, we're so close to the election. There's got to be political implications on this. WSB political analyst Bill Crane joins us on the Mark Aram Show. Uh, what a day, Bill. How you holding up, buddy? It's been an interesting week. It has been. I, I've, everything from before last night at midnight is wiped from my memory. This is all I've been thinking about today. Uh, the president and the first lady uh, being diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, too early to tell what this means politically? Well, as you got from our medical expert, at least 10 days to two weeks of reduced responsibilities and duties, both as president of the United States and as a candidate for re-election of president of the United States. It's a critical time. We're in the basically the last month, the run-up to the November 3rd general election. Early voting is already underway. Advanced voting will start in Georgia in a week, and uh, people are voting via absentee now, so he will be obviously less active on the campaign schedule. I would expect this may knock him out of both the next two debates, which are October the 15th and 22nd, there are already some pushback coming from the White House and the campaign staff about the changes in rules brought on by that first show, which I'll go ahead and acknowledge, even though we have a wager on this. I'm not sure I call that first thing a debate. Um, 
and also uh, there were a lot of other people that were at not just events with the president, but there are apparently several people who were present for a meeting with the Supreme Court designee this past week who've tested positive. Um, that could could mean that uh, uh, nominee uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett was also exposed. In addition, uh, Hope Hicks, who is one of the president's senior staffers and most likely to wear a mask, uh, has COVID and was with the president the night of the debate as well as other nights on uh, Marine One. So, uh, you know, the, the, the circles concentrically that touch, you're going to start seeing spread. And I think probably for the next several days, if not weeks, our focus of coverage on the White House is going to be about this, which means it won't be about the Supreme Court confirmation proceedings or any number of other issues. And if I was Joe Biden, I'd be hard-pressed to get press. We, uh, we, we heard late this afternoon that Judge... Uh... Barrett uh, actually had COVID-19 this summer and recovered. So I don't know about, you know, immunity or if she still has it, but apparently she already she had it this summer and recovered and she has tested negative. The vice president's tested negative for now. Again, you never know when that test turns to positive. He's going to continue out on the campaign trail. Is that wise? I mean, just not not for the campaign, but for the, the good of the nation. Right. Shouldn't we bubble wrap him right now and just make sure he stays safe? Well, he and the president didn't get much closer than what you saw on stage the night of the debate, which is about 20 feet apart in the studio. And they, I'm told, both approached the set with masks. They didn't shake hands. So I, I don't know that you have to bubble wrap the other. No, no, no I don't mean not, just, not Joe Biden. I mean, Vice President Pence. I'm sorry. Uh, Vice President Pence, I'm talking about, not Joe Biden. Um, he, sorry. Um, he certainly was in proximity to the president. I think I had understood prior to today that the White House senior staff, the president, the vice president were being tested daily. We've understood in tweets from the president since that wasn't the case. So it's hard to know when we have a White House that kind of bubbles in and bubbles out with transparency what's going on. If Mike Pence is being tested daily, then I think we follow the science, and that determines whether he could go out or not. If he's not being tested daily, then I think it's putting him, his family, anyone he's exposed to in the debate that's on the 7th or other campaign activities he's planned to do. And Eric Trump, who has one in Kennesaw on Monday, mm-hmm. uh, I think all of those should be either forestalled, de- delayed, or canceled. Bill Crane with Mark Aram on Atlanta's Evening News. Real quick, Bill, I just got this email from J.B. Dupree out of Washington. Uh, the email comes from Sean P. Connolly, physician to the president, commander of the U.S. Navy. The subject is health update on President Donald J. Trump. So this is this is fresh off the presses, folks. Uh, the uh, letter begins, quote, I released the following information with the permission of President Donald J. Trump following PCR confirmation of the president's diagnosis. As a precautionary measure, he received a single eight gram dose of Regeneron's polyclonal antibody cocktail. He completed the infusion without incident. In addition to the polyclonal antibodies, antibodies, the president has been taking zinc, vitamin D, famotidine, melatonin and a daily aspirin. As of this afternoon, the president remains fatigued, but in good spirits. He's being evaluated by a team of experts, and together we will be making recommendations by the president and the first lady in regards to the next best steps. First Lady Melania Trump remains well with only a mild cough and headache, and the remainder of the first family are well and tested negative for SARS-CoV-2 today. That's straight from the president's doctor right now. I know you're not a medical guy, uh, uh, Bill, but if, if you don't mind, I know you've got a packed schedule today. Can you hang out for a couple more minutes after the break? Sure, sure, sure. Bill Crane, WSB political analyst, 
massive breaking story we've been following here. Broke it on the overnight hours here uh, at WSB Radio. We've continued covers throughout. Mark Aram and for Eric Erickson. We're going to hear from Jamie Dupree in Washington. We're going to hear from Wes Moss and how this might impact the markets. And, of course, we eventually want to hear from you as well. President Trump tests positive for COVID-19. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. On Twitter and Instagram, at Mark Aram. On 95.5 WSB Atlantis News and Talk. Mark Ehrman for Eric Erickson. Continue to follow breaking news out of Washington, D.C. The president of the United States tests positive for COVID-19. Again, his health is first and foremost on our minds, but this is just such a huge story. Uh, Bill Crane joining us, WSP Political Analyst. We act the, we, I asked the infectious disease specialist, Bill, best case scenario when the president can get back out and campaigning. Ten days, it seems like, from the first symptoms. In the meantime, though, the debates, as you mentioned, are in question, and he had some big rallies planned and some big swing states those seem to be off for now uh how much is that going to hurt the uh, campaign for re-election for the president well as i was saying earlier when we chatted about this scott's late I, I think depending on how this plays out in terms of the illness itself and the severity of symptoms um, sympathy is not unheard of this could actually play in some regards in the president's favor he's going to experience an illness that has killed 200,000 americans and has impacted seven million others um, it may be a situation where he and Melania and the other members of the Trump family come through reasonably unscathed, but there are, again, thousands in Georgia alone where you know smell does not entirely return, uh, taste is impacted. Uh, there are issues of the blood vessels that uh, this disease apparently does significant lasting damage to, particularly for someone of his age. So there's just so many things we don't know that what we do know is that the rules of engagement for the political campaign on the trail, external events, even meetings in the White House are going to be very different for the foreseeable future until we know more about how severe president and other members of the White House staff are impacted because uh, the West Wing, as you've mentioned, is pretty compact. And most, not all of the staff inside the West Wing have been maskless for uh, several weeks. You mentioned the, the, the possible bump because of sympathy, and I, I totally understand that and get that. Will he be hurt, though? Will the president be hurt, though? To be honest, he has, you know, in his own words, tried to downplay the virus, has, has not worn the mask uh, all the time. Uh, will we see an about-face from the president on the on the coronavirus because of his, his uh, illness now? I don't think, having watched Donald Trump in private life and now the better part of four years in public life that we can expect him to change his stripes. Will he be more sympathetic or will we hear less out of the White House about the coronavirus being a hoax? Yes, um, because obviously he has it. But but uh, do I think he's going to be suddenly become a mask evangel? No, I, I don't think you can expect that that significant a shift. You may see funding move more quickly in a number of coronavirus relief packages that have been pending before Congress or the White House even ask for more funding in certain areas. But uh, from a policy perspective or what he's going to be saying on the trail, I don't, I do not project a uh, significant shift. And I do think, again, the president, among other things, is masterful about getting us to talk about the president. And when he wants the subject matter change, things seem to time in such a way. We're not talking right now about his income taxes. We're not talking right now about the choices of Supreme Court justice. We're talking about the impact of the coronavirus on the White House and not in any way suggesting that's intentional, but certainly you can look at the timing being good and bad.
WSB political analyst Bill Crane, thanks for your time on a Friday, Bill, and I still owe you a steak dinner. There was a debate. It was a mess, but it was a debate, and I look forward to uh, breaking bread with you. Stay safe, my friend. Take care. Bill Crane joining us on uh, Atlanta's Evening News. Mark Ehrman for Eric Erickson. Massive breaking news story out of D.C. We'll continue to cover. Chris Chandler's going to have the latest. Wes Moss from Money Matters going to join us after news, weather, and traffic. It's Mark Aram in for Erickson on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to the show. 439, 67 degrees on Peachtree Street. Mark Aram in for Eric Erickson with you till 6. Then word on the street is going to be taking my spot. You can hear the Mark Aram show 6 to 8 p.m. here nightly on 95.5 WSB Atlanta's News and Talk. Obviously, we're following the big breaking news out of uh, the White House the president and the first lady both tested positive for COVID-19. Hope Hicks was the first one that came out with the positive test. That's how we learned all this. And and we didn't learn from the White House. Uh, the press broke this story. We might not have known about any of this. What I find amazing, and um, I, 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 th- this has nothing to do with politics. I, I just read a story from the Associated Press, Chuck, that even after this, uh, the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, um, has COVID-19, there's still not a mask mandate in the White House. That, I don't understand that. The fact that B98.5 has stricter protocols than the White House, even after that, I I don't get it. You know, the, it's it's the leader of the free world. I know he gets tested all the time. and I, But, you know, from all reports, it's so cramped in the White House and, you know, the the debate prep meeting they had with Chris Christie and everyone, they were in a, like a small conference room and no one was wearing masks. There's got to be, no matter what happens, and again, I hope the president's fine, I hope the first lady and Hope Hicks and others that have uh, tested positive and probably will be tested positive, I hope they're okay. But this this has to be a wake-up call, right? The disease is at your front door. I mean, the wake-up call for me, and I think a lot of people here at WSB is when we lost our buddy Herman Cain. Like, I knew the virus was a serious thing, but until... Until you lose somebody or you know someone close to you that gets it, bam. I mean, th- th- there has to be some changes in the protocol. At least to pres- a- at least put uh, Vice President Pence somewhere safe. God forbid he gets it. I don't even want to get down into what happens then. But we'll talk about that with someone from the Brookings Institute next hour. I do want to talk about uh, this story because obviously if you're listening right now, um, you have a job. You probably have a 401k. You might own stocks. You might own a house. Wes Moss, host of Money Matters, joins us. Uh, Wes, how have the markets reacted to the leader of the free world testing positive for COVID-19? Hi, Mark. I tell you what, it's been quite a day. I mean, there's so much volatility uh, when it comes to markets. Today. At one point, markets were down 500 points the, before the market even opened. Futures were down. And then at one point today, we were positive. Then we, then we kind of dropped off at the end of the day. <clears throat> Broadly, markets were down about a half a percent on the Dow, about 1% on the S&P 500. So I, I, I would say that negative, but not dramatically negative, across the board today the fact we heard from the president's physician saying he's being treated with antibodies and he's fatigued but seems to be okay i would think that's news that wall street would like to hear but you know it's the end of the trading day the trading week so we got the weekend to digest and and who knows what could happen in the next couple of days well, well, I think a couple of things. First of all, the the whole world and whether it's markets or the whole rest of the world is going to be on kind of pins and needles to see how 
President Trump does through this, right? I mean, and we such such big out. There's such varied outcomes here, right? We know people that have COVID and they they seem to have no symptoms, and then you see people that are, and then we know what happened to our friend Herman Cain. So it's just such a broad spectrum of outcomes. We just don't know. And we, we, we hope that he's fine. We pray that he, for him and his family that everything works out. Interestingly, he, interestingly, Regeneron, where he's getting part of his treatment from, so he's taking this just reported, he's getting this cocktail of antibody treatments, but Regeneron price has spiked after the market. Uh, so that's that's really interesting. The, the last thing I would say from a market perspective, Mark, or we can talk about this forever. I know that time's a little shorter on in, in traffic, but uh, <laughs> but interestingly, if you were to look and I track the Republican stocks relative to Democratic stocks, and I and I have two different baskets, and they actually told a really interesting story today underneath the hood. So the market was down today. But ironically, the, tr- the, the Republican stock basket, which has gotten actually has not done well since the debate this week, was up a lot today. It was up the, the, the market itself. The S&P 500 was down a full percent. But the Republican basket of companies that I track and I track both Democrat and Republican was up almost one and a half percent today. Hold, hold that thought for one huge. second, Wes. Hold that thought because we do have to check traffic. You know it. Every six minutes. Here's Doug Turnbull. Money Matters host Wes Moss joining joining Mark Aram on Atlanta's Evening News written for Eric Erickson. The Republican basket bounced up. What do you attribute that to, Wes? Again, these are just the numbers. I I, I almost want to have stocks tell me what the market is thinking. And I guess if I were to interpret this, and again, this is just pure speculation. And and again, as a reminder, any one day doesn't necessarily matter. But if you were to look at this, I would say in, in, in some of those areas where, for instance, coal. Uh, coal companies did did well today. Well, why why did why did that happen? Maybe what the market is saying is that the fact that that the president and his family are both going through this, maybe this says that it is good for his reelection chances. I, I don't know. Maybe it humanizes him. I, I I don't know what it is, but that that's my at least initial speculation. I know you're the money guy, but only one of the two of us knows President Trump personally. That is you. You have a connection to him. Forget the stocks, the bonds, the markets for a second. Uh, your buddy. It's it's President Trump. It's not just the president. It's your friend. Uh, your first thoughts when when you heard the diagnosis? Yeah, I, my my initial thought is that he's such a, just a tough guy. Uh, when it comes to he maybe again I think everyone has their own interpretation so my wife would probably tell you something different than I would say but I again I've I've known him for many years and he's he's a if you think about how almost tireless he is in campaigning if you go back to 2016 I mean he was on a jet you know twice a day every day for months and months and months the guy has stamina and that's the first thing I thought is that he has a lot of stamina even though he's over 70 He's probably not in the very best shape in the world, but he's got a lot of stamina and a lot of fight. So, again, I, I think he's – we'll see. I, I have high hopes that he'll be just fine. Wes Moss, host of Money Matters, joining us on Atlanta's Evening News with Mark Araman for Eric Erickson. Um, obviously, we hope the best for the president. Um, I, I don't even want to go down this road, but let's just say – uh, that the president gets a little worse uh, physically. Uh, you know, again, I, I want him the best of health, but let's say, you know, it's not deadly, but, you know, he, he has to, you know, 
be uh, hospitalized or house uh, containment, you know, is, is bedridden for a while. Does that doesn't seem like it would bode well for the uh, national or international markets, right? Like this is very important, obviously for his health and politically, but financially as well around the globe. Yeah, no question. I mean, when you have uncertainty, markets just don't know what to do. When investors don't know what to do, they just get out. And the longer this goes on, and the more uncertain it is, it just doesn't it doesn't bode well for markets, at least in the really short term. Wes, stay safe. Tell the folks when we can hear you on the radio this weekend, my friend. Yeah, we'll be talking about the same topic at 9 a.m. We're looking at presidential, what stocks do during different presidencies and different presidential terms. So that's nine on Sunday, Mark. Thanks for having me, man. I I don't know how often you text the president, but if you do happen to uh, speak to him, give him the best uh, from everybody here at 95.5 WSB uh, and, and all of Atlanta, my friend. We'll do. Take care, Mark. All right, there you go. Wes Moss, host of Money Matters. All right, we're going to hear from Jamie Dupree in Washington and your calls. Next segment, Chuck, we're taking calls. So screen them, buddy. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Aram. In for the conservative Viking, Eric Erickson on 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to the show, Mark Ehrman for Erickson. It is 454, 69 degrees on Peachtree Street. News, weather, and traffic straight ahead. Wish we had fun stuff to talk about, but obviously the massive breaking news out of Washington, D.C. President Trump uh, has contracted COVID-19. We wish him the best. The doctor gave us an update about 20 minutes ago from Jamie Dupree. Uh, he's, uh, he's tired, you know, he's, he's showing some minor symptoms, but they're treating him already. Hopefully they got it early and hopefully he will be okay. I do want to take your calls on this 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Craig joins us in Woodstock. Craig, welcome to the Mark Aram Show. Mark, thanks for taking my phone call. Quick thing, um, about 20 minutes or so ago, some of your guests were saying that it might take 10 days or so for the, for the president to get back into full swing of things and running the country. That's not really accurate because if he's not being able to run the country right now, he has to transfer the power to Mike Pence officially. So he is still running the country. Sure, he may sure. not be back in the trail. But if he can't run the country, he has to officially transfer the powers over to Mike Pence, and he hasn't done that. So technically, he's still running the country. No, no, 100%. I, 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 I probably misspoke that. That was probably me, not the expert. So they said 10 days before he was fully can get out of quarantine. Um, obviously, he is still running the country and will do so. I'm interested. I'm glad you brought that up, though, Craig, because coming up in the next half hour, John Hudak from the Brookings Institute is going to join us. And he he knows all the uh, mechanisms behind the scenes. Like yep. What happens if he does transfer power to Vice President Pence? And, and so we'll go through all that. But, yeah, good point. Thank you for that. I should clarify. You're welcome. He's still running the country, 100 percent. And it's, yeah, it's one of your uh, uh, infection specialists that said that. I'm like, no, that's not accurate. State of infection control. <laughs> Gotcha. Appreciate it, Craig. Uh, Bob is in Fayetteville. Bob, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Uh, I've got an answer for Wes Moss on why the Republican stocks in his Republican basket went up today. Uh, the money managers running, uh, buying those stocks, they're smart people. And they know that with the president down right now, that the Democrats are just not going to be able to resist taking advantage of this situation and make uh, some political points. And in doing so, the uh, most of the voters, they don't like to see somebody punched when they're down. How, how do you and think they're going to take look- advantage? Give me an example of what you think their, uh, Democrats are going to do to punch while, they, while he's down. Oh, I expect, uh, you know, Biden to come out and say, I told you so about the masks and, uh, you know, really bring that home. And regardless of whether the points they make are valid or not, 
it's still going to look like they're punching a guy who's down. Now, to be fair, and, uh, to be fair, we ha- like that. to be fair, we haven't seen that. So this morning, I was retweeting a bunch of uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle. Uh, reacting to the president thing. And uh, here's Joe, uh, Joe Biden's tweet. And I believe this is the only statement we've had from uh, the former vice president. Quote, Jill and I send our thoughts to President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump for a swift recovery. We will continue to pray for the health and safety of the president and his family. So uh, that's the only statement. I haven't seen anyone punching down yet. Uh, I did see Kelly Leffler go off in, uh, on Twitter and blame China. Um, and wish the president uh, a healthy recovery. We, uh, and I retweeted Governor Kemp. Uh, but I think both sides of the aisle, I haven't seen, if they have, point them out to me, but I haven't seen anyone uh, being negative, right? Uh, no, one's been, no one's been negative on the, on the president or punching down on the president. We shall see what this means politically. Um, I, I don't think, if I had to guess right now, I don't think we're going to see any more debates. Maybe we'll see the vice presidential debate, which is what I want to really see in the first place anyway. When we come back, more of your calls. Then John Hudak from the Brookings Institute. What will happen, God forbid, if President Trump isn't able to perform all of his duties? What's the line of succession and, and what should we be looking for? And more of your calls. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Aaron. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. Atlanta's Evening News continues with Mark Aram with you till 6 in the p.m. We continue to monitor breaking news out of Washington, D.C. Massive story. The president and the first lady both test positive to COVID-19. We'd heard from political analysts. We'd heard from uh, infectious disease experts. Uh, we've heard from uh, financial experts, but I want to pull in someone that could give us a little behind the scenes look of what might happen now that the president is incapacitated, feeling a little drowsy, a little sluggish being treated right now. Certainly seems to be OK uh, in the West Wing right now. John Hudak from the Brookings Institute joins us. Uh, John, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mark. Obviously, a big political story. The president of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, has COVID-19. Convalescing now, we obviously hope he uh, progresses well fighting the coronavirus. Uh, but there's a lot of what-ifs that could happen right now. And, and, you know, we'll start with what if the president's health starts to decline? What, what are the machinations set up with our Constitution and in government that protects the United States of America in a situation like this? Well, as you said, Mark, I think all of us are rooting for the president and the first lady and other staffers around him to have a speedy recovery and not to have the types of after effects or, or I guess, during effects that we see some patients having. But uh, in the unfortunate circumstance in which the president's health did, did uh, excuse me, did decline fairly significantly, uh, the Constitution has provisions in place where the powers of the presidency can be temporarily transferred to the vice president if the president is unable to carry out uh, the duties of his office. The 25th Amendment passed in 1967 creates a variety of provisions that will allow just that. Talking to John Hudak from the Brookings Institute on the Mark Aram Show, who makes that call? Uh, Does the president make that call that he says, you know what, I'm just too under the weather, or is that the vice president's call? How do we determine that? So there's two different provisions in the 25th Amendment. Section 3 allows the president to do that himself, and presidents have done that in the past. 
Uh, so President Reagan did this when he needed to un- undergo uh, surgery to remove a couple of polyps uh, that he had. President Bush did that uh, when he needed a colonoscopy. In both cases, in President Reagan's case, he was under full anesthesia. In President Bush's case, he was under pretty heavy sedation. And so they recognized that in that state, they could not exercise uh, the powers of the office. And so they temporarily transferred to their vice presidents uh, the powers of the office. And of course, as soon as they came out from under anesthesia or sedation, they were able to take those powers back. Uh, But there's another scenario in place, too, and that is where the president does not transfer that power voluntarily, but he is nonetheless incapacitated. And so Section 4 of the 25th Amendment allows the vice president and a majority of the cabinet to tell Congress that the president is incapacitated, at which point the power transfers to the vice president in an acting capacity uh, until the president notifies Congress that he is well again. Right now, President Pence tested uh, negative, but we know the president tested negative the day before yesterday and then a positive. Uh, The incubation period is still a little wonky right now. What happens, God forbid, if Vice President Pence then becomes uh, positive for COVID-19? You know, I think what our hope right now is for the president uh, that his uh, recovery is speedy and that his symptoms are pretty minimal. By reporting today, not just reporting, from the White House today, Uh, The president is fatigued. He has a low-grade fever, um, and uh, he's, you know, experiencing mild COVID symptoms. Uh, The same with the vice president. He is tested negative. We hope that he stays testing negative. If he does test positive, we hope that he, uh, you know, only experiences mild symptoms or, or hopefully is even asymptomatic. However, if both the president and the vice president were to experience a significant health setback uh, and both of them be incapacitated. Uh, We have a line of succession uh, in this country through the Presidential Succession Act, and that would uh, next fall to the Speaker of the House, um, then the President pro tem of the Senate, uh, and then the Cabinet in the order that the Cabinet offices were created, starting with the Secretary of State. John Hudak from the Brookings Institute joining us on the Mark Am Show. Quick check of traffic. Here's Doug Turnbull. Thanks, Doug. John, this might be out of your uh, your area of expertise, but um, we're so close to the election right now. Uh, if, if President Trump doesn't recover quickly enough, doesn't feel like he is able to uh, complete a second term politically, does does Vice President Pence then just step into the that ticket, the front spot of the ticket? It depends on how that actually plays out. If the president and vice president were to be reelected uh, and the president were to resign, uh, then he would, the vice president would take over as president. And so let's play out a couple of hypotheticals. Let's say that happens in December. Uh, vice President Pence would then take the, um, take the office as president in December. He would finish the president's term. Uh, he would then be sworn in as vice president on inauguration day and then immediately sworn in as president on inauguration day succeeding uh trump who had uh, who by that point would have declined the office or or preemptively resigned a uh, second term uh if however uh the president chose not to resign uh and was either rendered incapacitated or uh god forbid he passed away from this Uh, then the Republican National Committee can actually select a new presidential candidate if it happens in advance uh, of the election. Uh, My guess is they would select Mr. Pence uh, to fill that role. Uh, If the president were to be rendered incapacitated or pass away after the election uh, and before Inauguration Day, 
uh, then again, if if they were reelected, Mr. Pence would be sworn in as president on Inauguration Day. John Hudak from the Brookings Institute joining us on the Mark Aram Show. Some quick breaking news here. Breaking news from the WSB 24-hour news desk. Uh, from CNN's Jim Acosta via the White House pool, President Trump is now headed to Walter Reed Military Medical Center. Uh, who uh, President Trump, who read early this morning as coronavirus, is leaving the White House now for the Walter Reed Military Medical Center. So some breaking news there. I had the infectious disease expert on earlier, John, and uh, asked her, uh, would he be getting the best treatment in the White House? And she seemed to think he'd be okay. Uh, but apparently for whatever reason, more testing, whatever, the president now heading to Walter Reed. Real quick, because I know you got a busy schedule, John. Uh, historically, you mentioned the polyp situation, but I think the last serious situation involving a president like this would probably be the Reagan shooting in 81, I believe, right? That would be the last time something as major as this uh, occurred with the president's health. Yeah, that's absolutely right. When President Reagan was shot, he, um, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize how seriously close to death President Reagan was. Uh, and uh, he was in surgery. And during that time, there was a scramble in the White House uh, among top officials not fully understanding what to do. And that was a lesson learned uh, in administrations now uh, have exercises practicing what to do in those situations and what to do in a situation like the one that we have now. And so the mindless headache that existed during President Reagan's incapacity after his shooting um, would certainly not repeat itself. And I think the White House, the vice president, the cabinet and others are well prepared uh, for what could be an unfortunate circumstance in which the powers of the presidency would have to be temporarily cha- temporarily transferred. John Hudak, senior fellow at Brookings, uh, amazing insight. I just retweeted your tweet, what happens if President Trump uh, contracts COVID-19? A very interesting read, amazing insight. You can follow John on Twitter at John J. Hudak. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Mark, thank you. And as, even though I live in Washington, I'm a Braves fan, so go Braves. There you go. I love it. I love you. Buried the lead, John Hudak. You should have led with that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, buddy. Uh, wow. All right. So still developing story. I don't know how to feel about uh, the president. I, I feel better that he's going to a hospital, right? Like if that's my dad. I think it's just a precaution. Yeah. I, if it's my dad that has it, they're similar age, similar body type. Like, I want my dad at, at, at a medical facility, not at home. So I feel better about that. But I also like, well, why, why are they doing that? Hopefully, it's like Chuck said, just precaution. All right. Developing story. We're checking in with Jamie Dupree next. Mark Ehrman for Eric Erickson on WSB. Mark Aram on Atlanta's Evening News in for Eric Erickson. Scheduled day off. E-Dogs okay. Uh, Continuing our coverage. Let's go up to Washington, D.C. Jamie Dupree 2.0. Jamie, there's been a lot of talk about the cramped quarters in the West Wing. What can you tell us about that, my friend? The West Wing is a pretty cramped area as I would compare it to some of the smaller work areas in the Capitol building. And actually, I have to say I'm surprised we haven't had more cases at the White House since staffers there are not using masks all that frequently. I still am amazed when I listen to medical experts in this field talk about how they are puzzled by the random nature of this virus, and that super spreader events are still not understood in terms of transmission. We were told this afternoon that a White House press office staffer had tested positive along with a reporter, so it's obvious the virus was getting around in the last week, exactly when and where market reached President Trump we don't know at this point. 
all situations we're going to figure out later on the tracing who got what where got where um and who else might have uh tested positive right for now this. mark there are a series of positive coronavirus tests which involve people who were at the white house last saturday attending the supreme court nomination of judge amy coney barrett mark i'm not saying that was a super spreader event but at this point you have GOP Senator Mike Lee of Utah and the president of Notre Dame who tested positive. They were there with White House aide Hope Hicks, the first lady and President Trump. If you go back and look at video of the Rose Garden ceremony, there are a lot of people not wearing masks who are packed in shoulder to shoulder. Again, Mark, we can't say the virus jumped around that day, but we do see people who all were at the same White House event testing positive. I asked this question to uh, Bill Crane earlier. Even though he tested negative, should Mike Pence be kind of wrapped in a bubble out of an abundance of caution? Mark, you ask a very legitimate question about Vice President Pence, and it's one reason the White House has kept him apart at times from President Trump. For example, on Monday there was a coronavirus event in the Rose Garden, and the President and Vice President spoke at different podiums. I have to say that me wonder, Mark, whether there had been new cases at the White House, because just two days earlier the Rose Garden was packed for the Amy Coney Barrett announcement. The vice president will still go and campaign in coming days while the president remains off the campaign trail. Election Day, Mark, is one month from tomorrow, so this is certainly an October surprise. Speaking of the election, Jamie, what, uh, if any, impact will this have on the election, or is it kind of too early to tell? Mark, one thing we can say without even knowing how bad the president's condition will get is that he's off the campaign trail for a little while. The president was supposed to have a rally tonight in Orlando, Florida. He was supposed to have two more rallies on Saturday in Wisconsin and a pair of rallies on Monday and Tuesday out in Arizona. But all of those won't go forward. Tomorrow marks one month until Election Day, so every hour that you lose in coming weeks, you will never get that back for the 2020 campaign. Finally, Mark, let's just say the president is all fine and back in working order in another seven to ten days. He's still lost a good chunk of time in the 2020 race under those circumstances. Last question, Jamie. How does this all play into the 2020 campaign fight about the coronavirus? And Doug. That was the wrong sound. Certainly, Mark, <laughs> it is ironic that the president just on Tuesday night was making fun of Joe Biden for wearing a mask, mocking him for wearing one even when he was staying far away from people, and mocking Biden for staying in his basement because of the virus outbreak. And yet here we are where Biden is the one who is out on the campaign trail in Michigan today, and the president is the one who cannot campaign because of coronavirus symptoms. In a sense, that storyline plays totally into the arguments which Democrats have been making for months, that the Trump administration has not been as serious about the coronavirus outbreak as the president should have been. Jamie Dupree, our Washington, D.C. correspondent. My apologies. I fat-fingered, for whatever reason, that Limu Emu that was button was right next to Jamie holy Dupree. Holy. Uh, at least we had one laugh today at my expense. Sorry about that. Chris Chandler would never do that. You'll find out next when he does uh, news, weather, and traffic. Limu, Emu, and Doug. Speaking of Doug, Doug's got your traffic as well. We'll come back more of your calls, and we're going to talk to someone that survived the coronavirus live here. Mark Ehrman for Eric Erickson. Atlanta's Evening News continues next on 95.5 WSB Atlanta's News and Talk. <laughs> Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.